0: This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is education activist, Natasha Dunn. Welcome to the show, Natasha Dunn. Thank you for having me, Mark. I I can't. I'm ecstatic. Uh, So let's go right into it. I'll be in and out of here in a second. Natasha Dunn, why are you an education activist?
1: Well, I, you know, I started this work because I'm a parent first and foremost, and I really I love children. Not just as a parent, but just helping kids. Um, and this is more of a mission driven work than anything because um, I could be, you know, laying on the beach maskless, um, <laughs> uh, telling kids to not go to school because I want to hang out. Um, and that's actually a dig for um, the CTU member who actually did that while kids were lingering at home on virtual learning and not actually learning. Um, So I just throw that out there. But no, I'm passionate about this work because there needs to be people who are filling in the gap specifically for our black kids and our black community because there's not a lot of organizations or groups out there who are really pushing for policy to close gaps.
0: And that's what I'm doing. Now now you've been doing it a long, long time. So here's the question here, the main question. Natasha Dunn, what would really improve public education for working class, African-American students, especially the boys?
1: Well, the first thing we need to understand is that public schools are our schools. They're schools that we pay taxes to. And if you don't own property, you're still paying taxes to go into the school through your rent and through other things, <clears throat> items that you're purchasing and buying. But um, homeowners are paying taxes to their neighborhood schools. So that's the first thing we need to understand is that we actually have the ability to control how our schools operate and educate our children. Um, once we understand that dynamic, then that's the first leg of the race, right? Because now the next part is engagement. We need our community to be engaged, and not just engagement for, not just engagement for um, for parents who have kids in schools, but engagement for the community who own property, you know, in the community or who live in the community as well. Um, and then the next leg is understanding CPS, understanding the policy, understanding what the expectations are for not only the school but for the school district. You know, um, I think it's important that we have those, you know, multiple pieces working together. And we also need more African Americans to to really think about again what they want their neighborhood schools to do. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Black parents and students travel the furthest out of any other racial group to attend school, which means that the majority of our kids are not really going to our neighborhood schools. Whether it's elementary or high school, they're not going there. And I understand why, right? Because when you look at a lot of our schools, they don't seem to be well-resourced. They seem to have a lot of issues with behaviors and all these different things, right? But the reality is, is that If all of the great parents that's picking up and leaving out of the community to take their kids outside of the community, if they and the community work together to focus in on the neighborhood schools and what is lacking and putting in the schools, that could be one easy way to really fix the school system to make it work for not just black girls, but for black boys and for the entire community.
0: No, I, I agree. I was one of those parents who uh, did not send my child to the neighborhood school or the neighborhood high school, although the schools were close to home, but they it wasn't the neighborhood school. And that's a whole nother show. And I understand why, because, you know, African-Americans, like I say on this show, 400 plus a lot, we have a lot of issues. And it's all descends from slavery, a lot of them slavery. And let's face it, people will say, including me, I don't want to send my son and daughter, my children to that school with those African-American students. These are class issues and class and values issues. And that's something we don't like to talk about. It's dirty, 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 dirty. But But how, how can, like my children being grown? I still pay. i have a homeowner. I still pay taxes, taxes, local school, blah, 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 blah. How do, how do you really stop? How can we really stop? There are young men, uh, boys down the street from my house in my neighborhood going to local school and they are going to be criminals. And then I going, I'm going to, have to deal with them as I get older <laughs> at some point. I just had in the house like exactly. I do now as I get older. Right. And there are some students who are going to school right now, African-American students, local school, and they are struggling and they will be unemployed. Or definitely yeah. underemployed. And like, like CNBC said, 42% of uh, black uh, jobs that black people have right now, African Americans have right now, are subject to, to disruption, quote unquote, in the next few years. And so I don't see us as a community really talking about how do we, how do we prepare our young people our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and nieces and nephews, for this world of AI, a world that doesn't need us as much as they don't really need us now. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Right, are, we, are, exactly, we really, are we really yeah. thinking about this as a group of people?
1: And, and, and we are not, but we are. So there's a small group of us who are really advocating hard. So there's a couple of things. There's the, there's the thing that I talked about in terms of what communities can do, what parents can do to really shift the dynamic of their public school system. They have to be engaged. You have to be hands-on, and you need to have your kids in those schools in order to change them. But you have to be able to, you know, want to take up that that umbrella and be sort of the pioneer of that work. But the second layer is policy. Policy is so important. So CPS has a over, I think it's over $9 billion budget, right? We have to start looking at the fact that it's been historical um, data that has shown that CPS has progressively gotten worse in terms of educating specifically Black children, um, and really all children. Are, the outcomes are not great for a lot of kids in CPS, but Black children are have the lowest outcomes, um, and. We, right now, a group of us are working to push Chicago Public Schools to create a strategic plan that's specific to Black student achievement in order to close the gaps. We want to be able to make sure that there's some cultural relevancy within the plan to be able to tackle some of the complications or some of the complexities, I should say, uh, surrounding Black communities that could, you know, really hone in and address the issues that that we, that we are more prevalent in our communities than any other community, right? Um, and then that's one layer. So CPS creating this strategic plan, they've actually uh, stated that that's what they're going to do. They do have plans on doing and This is something that I've been pushing for years, so we're finally going to get that, right? But the next layer is ensuring that there's accountability from the board level. So a group um, called IA for Illinois, African-American equitable redistricting which I'm a part of um, has been fighting for the past year to push for there to be a law put into the elected school board law because there's a law for the elected school board, we want to put a trailer bill into that law that forces the board to have a standing committee that's specifically geared toward black student achievement and closing the gaps so that board would then be sort of like the accountability mechanism for CPS's strategic plan for black student achievement, if you will. Um, and, so, and so we have to really tackle this issue on multiple fronts. It's the, it's the community engagement, and parent engagement front, and then there's the, the CPS level in terms of how instructions are done, in terms of how we have to look at how our schools are ran. Make sure there's cultural relevancy within there. And then also on the board level, because the board is the governance of it all, and making sure that the board, there's some accountability mechanisms within there as well to, to close these gaps. So that's what we're working on, and we're hoping we're really close. We actually have two sponsors for our trailer bill, so we're actually moving in the right direction. Um, and we need our community to, to call their state reps, <laughs> you know, to push them to make sure that this
0: this bill passes well like i said people have heard my story before i i was a struggling students over oh student over 50 years ago and i hope and i don't things haven't changed that much i just wanted i wanted to change but some people get over it and some people don't like i never got got over it and so and i, I mean so the students you know I wish I can have a magic wand and tell st- if I was a teacher that fired me I say, listen here kiddies you ain't got to get straight A's show up every day do the best you can and don't get caught up if you're not an A student don't get don't feel bad if you're not an A B student um, we're going to demystify this thing called how to learn and and don't and don't and don't, and don't get caught up like so really don't get caught up oh, cuz when you go to school they still the A students the teacher's pet and you feel like garbage and you just quit I, do, uh-huh. do they still do they still do that? That is true. <laughs> do they still do that? That is true.
1: <laughs> I mean they do. I mean they. I mean listen, schools can build up a student or break it down. Break a student down. You know, a lot of people that we see here on the streets, these could be students that could have had a horrible educational experience. You know, and they didn't have parents to advocate for them. And oftentimes, what I've learned, even with parents, and I'm very I I empathize with parents and I try to put myself in parent's shoes. So I don't, I'm not the type of person that belittles parents and say, well, the reason why your kid isn't learning is because of you. I don't do that because what I understand based on my years of advocacy work and working with parents is a lot of parents, they actually try to work with their kids. They do what they can, but a lot of them don't know what they don't know. So I can give you an example. <clears throat> I was working with a parent recently who is a great parent, by the way.
0: Very. No, that must that must be my my phone. My phone being, I I need a new phone. <laughs> That's what I need. You said you had a great. You were talking to a great parent.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and so she and so she was having some issues with her children. Now this parent is there. She's married. She's a, a wife. They own her, and her husband own a home, you know, and her children were homeschooled for a few years, and she I put them back in CPS for like three years or so, and she was asked. She was like, you know. My children are having issues in school, and, and I was telling her, I said, well, let's see. I said, do you have their um, their test scores? <clears throat> and she was like, yeah, you know, I, let me, yeah, let me see. So she gave me, she showed me the test scores. And she didn't even know that her son, and I know everybody say test scores don't mean, they mean something. They, they're used for a lot of things, so we can't pretend like you don't take tests for a lot of stuff. So the test scores is what shows proficiency, right? So what we saw in her test scores that she didn't even understand, and all of her children, the math proficiency was was below way below average, very below average. But their reading proficiency was above average, right? The parent didn't even know this. Like she didn't even understand that dynamic. Um and now, she, when I was able to sort of explain to her, well, this is what I see based on the data, and this is what I think you need to be When you're going to the classroom and you talk to the teacher, these are some of the things you need to focus on. And we see the math as a deficit for your children. You need to work with them on it. And we realized that math was extremely an extreme deficit for her children. Um, and so she's been working with the teacher. She went, and I told her to get these flashcards. You know to start working on the basic math and she's been doing that and she's been starting to see results but a lot of parents don't understand these things so i try to give them grace and try to work with them so these are some of the things that we we want to start doing so i have an organization called the black community collaborative so not only do i do advocacy work and community organizing to close gaps for black people around education and other issues i also am working to create a program to help close these gaps. Because as a parent (laughs) who had children through CPS and understanding just the brain dynamic and what, what it takes to really get our kids to that level that I know they all could be, I wanna ensure that I provide parents with those tools like I did with this parent and helping them be able to be the best educator for their kids first, then the school system. And then while they're in the school system, Teaching them tools on how to advocate for their children, so that they can make sure that their kids are not left behind.
0: Natasha Dunn is oh, you're just so great! <laughs> Thank you for coming on the, on the show here, and we got to see you soon. So, real quick how do how do people end the show by telling people how can they reach out and help you some kind of way and talk to you? Yeah,
1: and that would be so. I yes, we we'll love people that volunteer and help. <clears throat> We're looking for. For people who are really passionate about education and helping to close gaps, we're looking for people who who want to do advocacy and policy work. We're looking at writing policy, um, as well as you know doing like you know social work and helping helping parents and communities navigate through this system. And the final thing is also looking at how we can reimagine our schools. We are working on planning. What do we need to do with the closed school buildings, and what do we need to do with the schools that are shrunk in enrollment? But you can reach me at bccillinois.org That is bccillinois.org That's our website and you can go on there and you can click um, get involved and we'll get back to you.